I'm sure by now most of you know about what happened last night in Portland. A Trump supporter walking down the street tragically had his life taken from him. And only a couple days ago, Donald Trump offered federal assistance to this city. And the mayor, Ted Wheeler, rather disrespectfully said no. He didn't just say no. He sent a disrespectful letter to the president. And now we have one of the worst nights in the ongoing unrest, and it could have been avoided. I'm sure most of you know about what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin already. Well, regular people are taking notice, and this is backfiring to an extreme degree on these Democrats. They could have just said yes, but because everything that Trump does is wrong, they said no every step of the way. I remember when Lori Lightfoot said, I don't need leadership lessons from Donald Trump and rejected federal assistance. And then only about a week or two later, the city was ransacked. Well, here's the breaking news. U.S. election 2020. Trump handed huge boost as Biden makes major mistake. Exclusive poll. Donald Trump is on course for a clear victory in the U.S. presidential election after he opened up a three point lead over Joe Biden in an exclusive poll for the Sunday Express. And you know why? Because people in this country have had enough of months of extremism. But the Democrats have done nothing. In fact, early on, they were fanning the flames of this from Ocasio-Cortez saying, stay in the streets, it's working, to Kamala Harris saying they should not let up. Well, they didn't. And many people have now lost their lives. Many businesses have been destroyed. Many people have cried watching their loved ones be taken from them. In Seattle, for instance, we still don't have justice or closure on the people who had their lives taken from them during the whole Chaz incident. Now, Donald Trump could have invoked the Insurrection Act a long time ago, but the Constitution, well, the Constitution says the federal government isn't supposed to intervene in local affairs. So he could have invoked the Insurrection Act and just trampled all over that, but he's respected the state's right to deal with these problems on their own. The only problem is they haven't. So we have more breaking news. In Kenosha, a, or I'm sorry, in Wisconsin, someone is putting together a recall effort of the governor specifically saying they don't feel safe and their cities are burning. And mind you, the governor there did accept Trump's offer for federal assistance recently. One of the first, I believe the first to actually do it. But the people there don't care. They're fed up. And now we're seeing not just this one poll showing Trump ahead, but in the aggregate, Joe Biden is doing substantially worse than Hillary Clinton did at the exact same time, suggesting we may see Donald Trump take a landslide. And that's assuming that come election time, everything goes as planned. But of course, the Democrats are still pushing mail-in voting. And we have a big breaking story from the New York Post. Apparently, an operative who engages in voter fraud has confessed to the Post under the, under the condition of anonymity, explaining what they do and why they do it. But out of fear of prosecution, they wouldn't give up their name. However, it appears the New York Post has confirmed this. Voter fraud is very, very real. And of course, the media keeps saying that Donald Trump has no evidence for any of his claims about inaccuracies or fraud, even though we see it over and over again. For instance, the first universal mail-in vote in New Jersey in Patterson was nullified and a new vote was ordered. And in 2012, the New York Times reported with more mail-in ballots, you get more inaccuracy and more fraud. But for some reason, the Democrats and their allies in media keep saying it's fake news. That's my biggest fear. So let's let's start from the beginning here. We got a major poll. Donald Trump is probably going to win. Democrats are playing dirty games. Let's read the news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box if you'd like to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. 
I don't have a big marketing department like CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News. I just have you. If you think I do a good job and what I'm saying is important and people should hear it, please consider sharing this video wherever you can. And if you really want to support me, just hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell. Let's read the news from the from express.co.uk. They say, according to the latest monthly Democracy Institute Sunday Express poll, President Trump has 48% of the, of, of the popular support over Vice President Biden's 45%. In the key swing states, the gap is even bigger, with 49% for Trump to 42% for Biden, giving the incumbent U.S. president an almost unassailable seven-point lead. This is one of the first polls to show Donald Trump with a, with a massive lead above Joe Biden. It was only a few weeks ago they showed that Joe Biden had a double-digit lead. Now it's flipped for Trump. And the important thing here is it's one poll. And I think the polls are all broken. But I've got some more data to show you to back up why I believe this is, it's actually likely accurate. I'm, I would not be surprised if at this point everything we've seen would lead to a Donald Trump landslide victory. But hey, don't get complacent. I will be making sure to go out and vote in person and you better do the same. They say, since the Democracy, uh, since the Democracy Institute poll in August, a crucial month which saw the Democrat and Republican conventions, the president has gained a point in the swing states while his opponent has lost a point. Significantly, the latest poll shows that 21% were positively influenced to vote for Trump after the RNC, but a negligible 8% were inspired to vote for Biden after the DNC. Trump is set to win Minnesota 48 to 45, Florida 47 to 44, and New Hampshire, where he just held a major rally 47 to 43. New Hampshire, that's the East Coast, man, that's crazy. Red state. It also appears clear that U.S. voters have already made up their minds with a mere 3% of Trump voters and 9% of Biden supporters suggesting they could have a change of heart on polling day on November 3rd. Think about that. Trump voters know they are voting Trump. Biden voters, 9%? Not too sure. They might flip. Patrick Bisham, the director of the Democracy Institute, said that the poll confirms that the Democrats completely misread the effect of the Black Lives Matter protests and the desire of Americans to restore law and order in the wake of riots and anarchic protest. He said, in any political campaign, there's a moment that tells you which way the electoral wind is blowing. In this year's American presidential campaign, the moment arrived on Wednesday. Joe Biden restated his support for the peaceful protests, but crucially condemned the violence that has come to dominate the months long nationwide protest movement. And every single quote from every single Democrat will exist forever to haunt them. These riots and the, and the violence that came along with them didn't come from a vacuum. It didn't come out of nowhere. It only emerged because they had mainstream support from the establishment media and their politician and the po political allies like the Democrats. If we had all just come out, and I mean the Democrats, and said, no, then the violence would have stopped. The police could have done their job. But even Joe Biden stepped in it when asked by an activist, would he support diverting funds from police? He said, yes, that was the core message of defund the police. He later had to walk it back and say, no, no, I want more funding for police. They realized too little too late that the protests which led, to which, which led to riots and violence were not popular. Some people didn't mind the peaceful protests, and they had a shield in the media. The media has repeatedly said peaceful every step of the way. And Americans have had enough. They've seen it, and they've snapped. 
They go on to say, quote, when a candidate changes his tune three quarters of the way through the race, it is not because he knows he holds a winning hand. He does so because the electoral ground is shifting beneath his feet. Take that to heart. Joe Biden changed his message several times because he realized they bet on the wrong horse. Too late. Donald Trump's been there the whole time consistently saying enough. The Biden campaign made this move for one simple reason. Its own internal polling numbers revealed what Democracy Institute Sunday Express polls have shown for the past three months. The overwhelming majority of Americans, including black voters, are opposed to the organized anarchy. It's a really funny way of phrasing it, mind you. Looting, vandals and mayhem and murdering of innocent people explicitly and implicitly cheered on by a considerable cabal of Democratic politicians, while an even large number simply turn a blind eye. What if I were to tell you that after all of this, a Democrat politician came out and said, yeah, well, you know, this just happens after a man has life taken from him. You'd probably say, no way, Tim, they couldn't be that callous. They couldn't be that blind. From the Hill, just this morning, Demings, Portland shooting is what happens when homeland security is politicized. That's right. It's not the fault of the rioters or the far left, the extremists. It's the fault of Trump and the, and the Department of Homeland Security. They say Rep Val Demings on Sunday called the shooting death during violent clashes between pro-Trump and leftist demonstrators in Portland. What happens as a result of homeland security being politicized? This is exactly what happens when homeland security, the intelligence community, the military who are charged with protecting our homeland are politicized. Demings also called on President Trump to directly address protesters in Portland to alleviate tensions. Wouldn't it be nice for the president of the United States to take the microphone or the airwaves and send a message for peace and calm? This now more than ever is a time when we need to hear from the president of the U.S. But the chaos and disorder and lawlessness we are currently seeing, that's Donald Trump's America. A Trump supporter walking down the street, shot twice in the chest. That's Donald Trump's America. Donald Trump, who offered federal assistance just two days ago. Two days ago, I believe it was Ted Wheeler saying, we don't want it. That's Donald Trump's America. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's the Democrats in the cities and states that are making it that way. Trump is the president. Sure, he could have invoked the, the, the Insurrection Act. But you know what? He was letting Democrats run their own, their own jurisdictions, and he wasn't going to intervene and invoke this law to, to supersede the Constitution. I'm not going to blame him for what these Democrats are doing. He was there, ready, willing, and able, and still is. And they still reject him. Only Governor Evers, I believe, actually took him up on the offer. Well, I want to show you something. This is just one poll. But take a look at this. Benny Johnson tweeted, um, guys, it's going to be a landslide. Take a look at the real clear politics electoral spread average. Four years ago, Clinton had nine in Wisconsin. Biden has 3.5. We can see this trend across the board. Clinton had an 8.6% polling lead, Biden 2.6. Ohio, Clinton had 3.2 to Biden's 2.3. Pennsylvania, Clinton had 7.6 to Biden's 4.7. You get the point. Joe Biden in the aggregate polls is doing worse than Hillary Clinton in most battleground states. In fact, in some where Clinton was ahead last time, Trump is now ahead, notably in Iowa, in North Carolina. In some places like Arizona, it looks like Biden is ahead of Trump. It's not perfect, but it does show clearly favorable data for Donald Trump. Now, you may be saying, but Tim, come on, surely they fixed their polls and we can see that Biden is still ahead. A new study suggests polls are missing shy Trump voters from Bloomberg. They say a new online study finds that Republicans and independents are twice as likely as Democrats to say they would not give their true opinion in a telephone poll question 
about their preference for president in the 2020 election. That raises the possibility that polls understate support for President Donald Trump. And this we have known. The backlash goes beyond just the polls. In Wisconsin, an effort has been launched to recall Tony Effort, uh, Tony Evers. A Burlington woman launched the effort Friday to recall the governor and also the lieutenant governor saying, the citizens of Wisconsin right now feel extremely unsafe. We are not willing to stand by and watch our cities burn. It's Donald Trump who has routinely called them out. It's Donald Trump who just this morning called the Portland mayor a fool saying you need to bring in the National Guard. He's right. I'm agreeing with Donald Trump. And the mayor needs to be the one to say yes. The mayor has failed his own city. They occupied his own condo lobby and the cops didn't respond. Initially, I believe. I'm not sure if they ever actually came. His neighbors were upset, apparently, according to some reports, throwing things out the window at the extremists. They're taking over city streets and Trump has been saying, I will shut it down. You just give me the word. You know what this shows? The fact that Trump won't force his way in, I believe, is good leadership. The fact that Donald Trump is allowing these cities to govern themselves the way they're legally supposed to shows good leadership. Trump is not deciding to slam down an iron fist and come in and take control. Some would suggest he should. But I don't think we should. We should I, don't, I don't think so. I believe the Insurrection Act should be a last ditch effort, a, a last resort when the streets are nothing but mayhem and nothing can function. Right now, yes, we have violence. We have an escalation in the rioting. But it is still up to the local authorities to deal with it. And if the people won't rise up themselves, well, maybe that's, that's, that's the point at which Trump has to come in. But for the time being, the people who live in these cities have to stand up and order a recall and challenge their Democratic leaders. Otherwise, I don't believe it's Trump's place. If you get a substantial amount of people in these jurisdictions saying, please, Trump, come, like they're starting to say in some of these areas, then I believe Trump should come in. And, and shut down these ineffective politicians who are causing all of these problems. But I want to show you some of the uh, aftermath. And I want to show you why people are fed up with Democrats. Take a look at this. The Daily Caller says, CNN's Dana Bash CNN to Adam Schiff about Portland and Kenosha. Quote, do you have any reason to believe that Russia is trying to fuel some of the civil unrest in some of these cities via social media or other methods? Now that I find absolutely amazing. It's Russia's fault. Okay. They're trying to blame Trump. There are viral trends where they say, you know, Trump's riots, Trump's violence, but it's not working. Regular people are blaming their local politicians. You see what these Democrats and these leftists on Twitter don't understand is that people in local areas pay attention to local news and local politics. But to them, because they're only on Twitter, they only think nationally. Regular people like where I'm at, they talk about the governor and, and, and the mayors, the local councils. They, they talk a little bit about the federal level, but for the most part, they're concerned with their own community. Why is my business closed? Well, it's the fault of this councilman, not Donald Trump. Yet you get this from CNN. Russia did it. Trump did it. I'm sorry. That says nothing to the American people, especially after years of screaming Russia and it turned out to be fake. I can only imagine this is just another part of everything backfiring because we have this video tweeted by Brendan Leslie. This is from Washington, D.C. A BLM leader is encouraging this crowd of protesters to fight the cops on the front line, saying he's ready to put them in graves. That's what you have in the streets. That's what Joe Biden supported and still supports. Let me let me make sure I can I, I can make this clear. Joe Biden said it's time for action. He tweeted that he said 
the Black Lives Matter protests are good. Not realizing this is a Black Lives Matter protest. This is not the riot. These people gathering in D.C. were not going around and, and, you know, attacking people and looting. The looters exist. This was the protest. Peacefully standing about saying it's time to put cops in graves. Then they go out and do it. So regular people see this and they say the only reason they're going out and doing it is because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris supported them and encouraged more of it. That's what the the uh, Express was pointing out with this Democracy Institute study. Joe Biden slowly starting to flip the script because he realized in his internal polling it's showing up. Don Lemon said it, and now they will reap what they have sown. Mary Claire and Anselm tweeted, I'm a suburban mom and I will be enthusiastically and unapologetically voting for real Donald Trump in November. Law and order. Mary Claire is, uh, she works for, she works education policy and uh, analyst at the Heritage Foundation. Now, perhaps she's just a conservative and will be voting for Trump anyway. But Trump said that suburban housewives want law and order and they will support him over this. I think he's correct. And I think the polls are showing it's going to happen. I mean, we just saw the iron range in Minnesota, the Democrat stronghold, uh, six of their cities endorsed Donald Trump. I think we're looking at a landslide. I do. But I, I want to show you something else, too, in, in, in line with all of this thinking, just relating to what happened so far with all of the unrest and why I think people are fed up. Just, just another point. Cassandra Fairbanks, you may know her. She's a conservative reporter. She tweeted out an opinion about Kyle Rittenhouse that she thinks he did nothing wrong. Cassandra Fairbanks was suspended for this. That's right. Kyle Rittenhouse has not been found guilty of any crime. He's been charged. A judge has delayed the extradition hearing from Illinois. We don't know what they will find, and there is no final determination on what Rittenhouse did. Yet they still suspended Cassandra Fairbanks. Facebook announced they will ban any and all praise or support for Kyle Rittenhouse. But what if I were to tell you that Antifa organizes every single day on Twitter and Twitter allows it? They do. Over on Google, I did something simple. I Google searched Andy No Antifa Twitter organizing, and there's a bunch of posts. Not all of them show Antifa organizing, but many of them do. You pull it up and what do you get? It is Andy No tweeting out a screenshot where they call for action. They say, be there this Saturday at noon in the area around. This is what's happening. We will be out to monitor, letting people know where to go and what to do. Here's one. Let's see if this one is uh, another post. There we go. Antifa are organizing the riot in Southeast Portland again. They are meeting at Laurelhurst Park. This was a tweet. Twitter is allowing the far left extremists to organize in real time and rally people to show up. And it's resulting in people losing their lives. Cassandra Fairbanks, a reporter, tweeted an opinion that she got suspended for. Now, we, I can show you all these things and I can say that Donald Trump is going to win. But I think the most important story is this from the New York Post. Confessions of a voter fraud saying, quote, I was a master at fixing mail in ballots from John Levine. A top Democratic operative says voter fraud, especially with mail in ballots, is no myth. And he knows this because he's been doing it on a grand scale for decades. Mail in ballots have become the latest flashpoint in the 2020 elections. While President Trump and the GOP warn of widespread manipulation of the of absentee votes that will swell with COVID uh, polling restrictions, many Democrats and their media allies have dismissed such concerns as unfounded. But the political insider 
who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he fears prosecution, said fraud is more the rule than the exception. His dirty work has taken him through the weeds of municipal and federal elections in Patterson, Atlantic City, Camden, Newark, Hoboken, and Hudson County. And his fingerprints can be found in local legislative, mayoral, and congressional races across the Garden State. Some of the biggest names and highest office holders in New Jersey have benefited from his tricks, according to campaign records the Post reviewed. An election that is, uh, an election that is swayed by 500 votes, 1,000 votes, it can make a difference, the tipster said. It could be enough to flip states. The whistleblower, whose identity, rap sheet, and long history working as a consultant to various campaigns were confirmed by the Post, says he, is not only, he has not only changed ballots himself over the years, but led teams of fraudsters and mentioned at least 20 operatives in New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, a critical 2020 swing state. Donald Trump offered this man complete immunity and have him come out and name names. Please get this guy on public record testifying before Congress. Please have him testify to the FBI or to whoever. And, and do what you have to do to make sure he can get these, weed these people out. The New York Post says they've confirmed it. Quote, there is no race in New Jersey from city council to U.S. Uh, US Senate that we haven't worked on. I worked on a fire commissioner's race in Burlington County. The smaller the race, the easier it is to do. A Bernie Sanders diehard with no horse in the presidential race. He said he felt compelled to come forward in the hope that states would act now to fix the glaring security problems present in mail-in ballots. This is a real thing, he said. And there is going to be a effing war coming November 3rd over this stuff. If they knew how the sausage was made, they could fix it. Mail-in voting can be complicated. Tough enough that 84,000 New Yorkers had their mailed votes thrown out in the June 23rd Democratic presidential primary for incorrectly filling them out. But for political pros, they're a piece of cake. In New Jersey, for example, it begins with a blank mail-in ballot delivered to a registered voter in a large envelope. Inside the packet is a return envelope, a certificate of mail-in voter, which the voter must sign and the, uh, and the ballot itself. That's when the election spring, uh, the, the fraud springs in action. Phony ballots. The ballot has no specific security features like a stamp or watermark. So the insider said he would just make his own ballots. I just put the ballot through the copy machine and it comes out the same way. But the return envelopes are more secure than the ballot. You could never recreate the envelope, he said. So they had to be collected from real voters. He would have his operatives fan out going house to house, convincing voters to let them mail completed ballots on their behalf as a public service. The fraudster and his minions would then take the sealed envelopes home, hold them over boiling water. You have to steam it to loosen the glue. He would then remove the real ballot, place the counterfeit ballot inside the signed certificate and reseal the envelope. Five minutes per ballot tops. The insider said he took care not to stuff the fake ballots into just a few public mailboxes, but sprinkle them around town. That way he avoided the attention that foiled a sloppy voter fraud operation in, in a Patterson, New Jersey uh, city council race this year, where 900 ballots were found in just three mailboxes. If they had spread them in all different mailboxes, nothing would have happened. The tipster said sometimes postal employees are in the scam. You have a postman who is a rabid anti-Trump guy and he's working for bed, working in Bedminster or some Republican stronghold. He can take those filled out ballots and knowing 95% are going to a Republican, he can just throw those in the garbage. In some cases, mail carriers were members of his work crew and would sift ballots from the mail and hand them over to the operative. They mentioned nursing homes, voter impersonation, bribing voters. It just goes on and on and on. He says there is nothing new about these techniques. Oh, I'm sorry. Hans von Spakovsky said 
There is nothing new about these techniques. He's a senior legal fellow at Heritage who manages the election law reform initiative. Everything he's talking about is perfectly possible. They say while federal law warns of prison sentences of up to five years, busted voter frauds have seen far less punishment. In 2018, a Texas woman was sentenced to five years. An Arizona man busted for voting twice in the mail was given just three years probation. A study by the conservative Heritage Foundation found more than 1,000 instances of documented voter fraud in the U.S., almost off of which occurred over the last, almost all of which occurred over the last 20 years. Trump may be on track to win. He may have everything on his side, and it probably won't matter because the Democrats are forcing, for no reason, universal mail-in voting. Dr. Birx and Fauci said voting in person is safe. They don't care. We'll see how this plays out. But I hope you've taken the events of last night seriously. I guess we can only wait and see. Next segment will be coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. It seems to be the case that almost every morning when I do one of these riot segments, I have to inform you that last night was the worst night we have seen yet. And it's true. In Portland, a man believed to be a Trump supporter wearing a blue Lives Matter patch was executed. And I mean it. This wasn't a clash. This wasn't someone fighting with someone else. It was quite literally a man seen walking down the street. You hear someone yell something like, we've got another, there's some unintelligible garble right here. Some people believe he said, we got another Trumper right here. I don't know if that's what he said. He may have said something else. And then this extremist leftist fires two shots, killing the man, shooting him in the chest. There was no fight. There was no scuffle. It was just a guy walking down the street. You know, what's funny is I laughed when Scott Adams said Republicans will be hunted. And I think it's because me, uh, because I and many other people probably took the most extreme interpretation of what that meant. Like, you know, a bunch of crazy leftists, you know, like, like the movie The Hunt, like tracking people down and gunning them down in the street and things like that. But I think the simpler uh, interpretation is that they are. They just were. They were looking for Trump supporters. They found one and they killed him. The funny thing about all of this, and I don't mean funny, haha, I just mean like the, the weird thing, is that they're claiming the same thing about Kyle Rittenhouse. And it made me realize I believe the time for talk is over. I, I, there's no negotiating at this point. I don't know what that means moving forward. I don't, you can take it you, you, however you want. But listen, when Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha was trying to protect the community and he was rendering aid to the rioters, he got threatened by a violent and angry mob. There's video of this. The two men who died were actually threatening him and other and his friends earlier in the night. We know that Rittenhouse was working in Kenosha. This is according to his defense, mind you. The rifle wasn't taken from across state lines. The business owner asked for help, and Kyle was rendering aid. They attacked him. They chased him. Someone fired, and Kyle defended himself. We've seen the videos of what happens when people don't defend themselves. The man sitting on the ground in Oregon when that uh, guy, Keith Love or whatever, runs up and punts him in the face. When you give in, they take advantage and they stomp you. Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse defended himself. Now he's being charged with six counts of, I believe, homicide, even though, the, uh, according to the defense, the state's witness wasn't even there. 
But his extradition is being delayed. His extradition hearing is being delayed. So we'll see how that plays out. We're at, we're at a point where we can watch the videos. We have the New York Times saying it was defense, but the left says it was murder. The left says he was hunting. The left says that if you are defending yourself, it is an act of extremism. And Facebook will ban you if you praise him or defend him in any way. And GoFundMe shut down the fundraiser for his legal defense while supporting the extremists who are destroying buildings and burning down our communities. Communities. There's only one path forward based on everything we're seeing. Our communities are going to burn. The police aren't showing up. A Trump supporter was just executed in the street. I mean, quite literally, they yelled, we got one, turned, bang, bang, dead. No, no talking, nothing. They saw the guy and they said, that's all I need to see, dead. What is the left saying now? I'd be uh, uh, surprised if at any way they came out and said this was bad or, I, you know, they'll probably say, oh, no, the senseless violence must stop. But what I'm seeing is, Many of these people on the left have been lying about Kyle Rittenhouse nonstop. And we know because we've watched the video and we've actually read the news that he was defending himself. You can still argue it was wrong. You can still argue that he shouldn't have been out. All of those things are fine. But to act like he was a white nationalist militia member who was hunting people down in trucks, that's what they're saying. One person even said he killed three kids. That's just not what happened. It doesn't matter, though. I don't know what they'll say about this, but I'm assuming nothing because we've already seen people being beaten and we've already seen 30 dead before the latest extremist killings, the latest extremist involved, like involved killings, like, you know, riot related deaths. And they've said nothing and they've continually called for more. Ocasio-Cortez called for more. Kamala Harris called for more. Joe Biden called for more. I'm not making that up. Kamala Harris says they should keep going. AOC tweeted, stay in the streets, it's working. While people were dying in the riots, while people, what we, we found a corpse in a, in, in a burnt down shop when David Dorn was gunned down because somebody wanted to steal a TV, they had the nerve to say, keep going. You know what I've said? Stop. No, enough. You know what I said? When people asked, what can people, what, what, I've been asked time and time again, what can we do to stand up against this, Tim? What can we do to stop this? I specifically said, do not engage and do not go out like this. You see, what happened last night was a large group of Trump supporters were rallying. They were driving their trucks through Portland. They're allowed to do that. This resulted in a lot of fights and conflict. This is exactly why I said, it's not what you should do. However, I did say peaceful protest. So I guess I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's a peaceful protest, nonviolent civil disobedience, you know, old ladies guarding statues. But for the most part, the only thing I've really ever said you need to do is speak up for yourself. The problem is, if you go into Portland, you know what they're looking for and you know what they want and you know the media is on their side. This guy died. A lot of people are going to be talking about it. And I think it's going to this. This may be the shot heard around the world that gives Trump a landslide victory. And I think before any of this escalates into a full-on, full-scale war, Trump will win a resounding victory already. I got to tell you, man, some polls are coming out and it is shocking. I I, I don't believe it. 
I'm trying to I'm trying to vet these polling institutions because I'm like, there's no way Trump is now nationally leading Biden by several points. There's no way Trump is leading in battleground states by six points. But these polls are starting to pop up. I'll tell you why. Because regular people can watch the video of a guy walking down the street and someone yelling, we got one. Bang, bang. And it's scary. They're showing up to people's homes. And I said this was going to happen. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, I, I, I do kind of mention this, but it is. Um, I hate to say I told you so. Right? It's not, that's not my intent. But I warned earlier this year that this is exactly what would happen. I warned. I, I was thinking about, uh, you know, I was talking to someone in my, fa- in my family. And I was thinking about several years ago when we saw the escalation in, in, in Berkeley with, you know, people were holding a Trump rally and then Antifa shows up and beats people and throws explosives. This was several years ago, but I said, I think civil war is coming. And I said, I think by the time I'm 35, it will be, you know, really just full on chaotic. I still don't know if that's true. I am not yet 35, but I will be 35 in about seven months. So maybe, uh, maybe I was right. What we're seeing right now, I can't imagine will deescalate for one simple reason. Kyle Rittenhouse is being demonized and they're trying to arrest him. uh, They they did did arrest him. They're trying to prosecute him. The McCloskeys were also charged. And I think they will not frame this properly. The media will inflame. They'll argue the guy was defending himself. They'll argue the guy who shot him wasn't actually part of Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Even after 30 people had died in these riots, they still kept saying Antifa's never killed anybody. 30 people were dead. Well, it's not Antifa. Right. They're going to shut up to people's homes next, and they're already doing it. They've been doing it. I said this was, was, was going to happen. And, I, and again, it's not like I'm picking lottery numbers here, man. We, we, they started going to residential neighborhoods, and I said, how long until they go to someone's house? Then they did. Now, this guy who got killed, they, they identified him. It's like Scott Adams said, and everyone laughed, including me, when he said Republicans will be hunted. They're going to go to someone's house. That woman in Portland, she was wearing a stupid armband, I guess, trying to incite or provoke. I don't know why she was doing it. And they still attacked her. I don't care what you do on your own property, in your own house, as long as you're not hurting other people, even if I think it's disgusting what, you know, she was wearing a World War II German armband, we'll put it that way. It's, it's ridiculous. Don't, you know, but you're allowed to do it on your own property as long as you're not, they, they, as long as you're not hurting any peop, anybody. And they physically attacked her. How long? When they, when they, when you see this, when a guy gets killed in the street, how long until they come, come to your house because they are going to homes and they see that Trump flag and they see that, that, you know, MAGA 2020, or you come out and you're wearing something about law enforcement and they say, him, we got another one. Bang, bang. Right now it's in the street. They've already attacked people in their homes. So I'll put it this way. If I had, if I had to, you know, uh, ex- extrapolate based on the, the trends from the past several years, the first bouts of physical violence erupted just before Trump got elected. We, we've, we've, in, in about four and a half years, because it was before Trump got elected, it escalated now to people being killed in the streets. That says to me that we're a few years away from, from them going to your home and killing people in their homes. But because of the rapid escalation, I'd actually scale it down. So here's what I'm trying to say. From the first swing, the first punch that I saw in the 2015, you know, beginning of the election cycle, to the point where they shot someone in the street. It has been five years. Now, they attacked a woman at her home a few months ago. 
if you if you if you want to scale that up to now they're going to people's homes, how soon, you know, how long will it take for a punch to turn to a gunshot? I would say, hey, five years, right? Not necessarily. Because the escalation of the conflict, eventually they're going to say, the, the, you'll start hearing things from the left, like they're, they're plotting, they're hiding. We have to weed them out where they're hiding and things like that. Right now they're saying, confront them in the streets. Don't let them come to our towns. Keep the Nazis out. There's a video of a guy defending a building. He's just a regular guy standing in front of the glass and someone yells, he's a Nazi. And they start punching him that, because no one cares if he really is, but they know that they're a mob and they can beat whoever they want and get away with it. I mean, there's a story from, from, I want to show you some, I want to show you some of uh, what happened last night. We'll keep talking. Here's a story. One man shot killed near downtown Portland protest Saturday. That's it. They say the man was shot around 845 PM near Southwest third Avenue and Alder street. The agency did not say whether the incident was related to demonstrations. We saw clashes erupting after a Trump rally in Clackamas. I mean, there are crazy videos, people brawling in, 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 on highways, far leftists blocking roads and cars, just like, you know, slowly pushing and then pushing them out of the way. But there's a video of people on a highway boxing and the cops run in and break it up. Andy No says, it sounds like someone is shouting. We got a Trumper right here just before the shots are fired and the man is killed. I don't know if I heard that too, but it sounds like it might be the case. I don't think so. Uh, some people think that's what it sounds like. It sounds like he's, he might, he's saying, it, it, he says something like, we got a something, something right here. Bang, bang. Speaker at leftist Kenosha rally, which was attended by the Democrat lieutenant governor, quote, if you kill one of ours, it's time for us to kill one of yours. Hours later, Trump supporter targeted, shot and killed. I lived on Myrtle and Nostrand in Brooklyn, um, just around Myrtle and Nostrand. I actually lived closer to like Tompkins. In 2014, I believe it was, two cops and a Hispanic man and an Asian man were sitting in their car and a black identity extremist walked up, killed two of them. Bang, bang. He had posted to Instagram, you take two of ours, we take two of yours. That sounds familiar to me. And that's what they did. That was the, that was the point of Portland, most likely. But when you get a tit for tat, what happens now? How long till the right says, you take one of ours, we take one of yours? To be honest, I don't think the right will do that. I think what the right will say is you need to be prepared because they're killing us randomly, just walking up and shooting us. So wear your armor and get your guns ready. And then they'll be on edge. And the left will keep claiming they're the innocent victims and the media will defend them. But maybe I think Trump's going to win. I think that gunshot last night might be Trump's landslide victory. No, no joke. You get a guy who comes out saying, support the police. That's what the blue, the, the, the blue lives matter patch means. It's the thin blue line patch. It means I support the police. That's it. He had patriot prayer. So he was a Christian conservative, you know, uh, law enforcement supporter. They killed him for that. I think that makes up, you know, a good portion of this country. But think about what that means for regular people. How many regular people are like, I like police. 82% of the black community wants the same level of police in their, in, in their neighborhoods or a little bit more. The majority of people, like 80%, this is one of the polls I read previously, don't want to abolish the police. And we just saw a man saying, support the police, executed, just right there in the middle of the street. Elijah, uh, Elijah Schaefer tweeted, more shootings tonight. We are in civil war. In the video, a man's walking down the street and you hear multiple gunshots ring out. We, I, I don't know what this was. It's not the other moment because this is multiple gunshots. But yep, throughout the night, gunshots were ringing out. We're going to see more of it. Donald Trump tweeted the National Guard is ready, willing, and able. All the governor has to do is call. You know what? 
I'm torn on this, but I lean towards uh, agreeing with Trump. If Trump had invoked the Insurrection Act a long time ago, these people would not be dead. But it is overstepping in, in many ways the bounds of the federal government. But it is it is a challenge. A lot of Trump supporters have already said invoke the Insurrection Act. I got to be honest, I don't want any of these people to be hurt. And I'm horrified by what's happened so far with the multiple people who have died in the past couple of days. You know, I, I warned, I hope you're ready because the next round of riots are going to be way worse than the peak in June. And it is in a different way. In, in June, when they were going around smashing and looting, it was targeting property. Now it's targeting people. And though they are burning buildings in Kenosha, they weren't so much in Portland. They're just shooting people. But should Donald Trump intervene? You know, at a certain point, I still say no, no. Ted Wheeler said he, re- he, re- he rejected Donald Trump's offer for assistance. And then what happens? A man walking down the street, a Trump supporter gets executed. Maybe Trump should have come in because his own supporter would have survived. But should Trump step on the rights of states and intervene in local local matters? It's a tough question. And I would say, I don't know if we're at that point yet. I know it's tough because some high profile individuals have already said, do it now. In fact, you can see the Insurrection Act trending right here, right here. Look at this on the tweet I've pulled up 15,600 tweets saying Insurrection Act. I don't know if they're saying to invoke it. They probably are. Maybe Trump should have. I lean towards it is a last resort for when cities are completely, you know, no longer functioning and people are shooting each other in like in mass. Right now, we've had a few tragic instances. It is up to the Democratic governors and mayors to stop this. The blood is on Ted Wheeler's hands. It's not Trump's fault. If Trump did not intervene, it is Ted Wheeler's fault. Trump said, I can come. He said, no, Ted Wheeler. The Democrats are to blame for this. If Trump gets reelected, and at this point, I believe it is a given, especially with what happened last night, I still don't think he should immediately invoke the Insurrection Act, but I believe it will come shortly after this because we will see mass violence across these cities. But what happens? And the reason I'll tell you why I'm not a fan of invoking the Insurrection Act. You know why? The far left is emboldened and they're insane. Donald Trump can come out with all the feds and National Guard, and they will then say, aha, Trump is the fascist, and that will kick off civil war. You can say we're in a civil war right now, but the best thing we can hope for is that the Democratic politicians stop the violence. I don't think they will, but I can tell you this. If Trump doesn't invoke the Insurrection Act, the violence will get worse. If he does, it will get worse much faster. So I don't know what the right move is. Perhaps Trump, I think if Trump invoked the Insurrection Act and deployed National Guard and federal law enforcement, you would end up with mass insurgency. People, there'd be, there'd be bombs being planted. You know, people would be randomly shot in the street, targeted, things like that. Homes would be set on fire and they would consider themselves the resistance against Trump's fascism because, well, they've been lying the whole time claiming they're the innocent victims fighting against Nazis. And they would claim that Donald Trump is that is their leader. That's where we're headed. So I'm hoping that Donald Trump doesn't do this, but I'm not saying he shouldn't outright. I'm just saying for right now, we need the Democratic governors and mayors to stop this before it gets too late, before it gets goes too far. And we're dangerously close to it going. In fact, it may have already gone too far. They need to intervene now. I think they won't. I think they'll show up in D.C. 
I think we're going to see a lot more people die in this. 32 people. It is a lot for our tastes because we're not used to this many people dying. In some countries, it's in the thousands. I mean, I was, I was in Egypt during the revolution, the second revolution. A lot of people died. A lot, a lot more people. And there were clashes in the streets. Eventually, the military got tired of the fighting and the destabilization, and they intervened and they removed, I believe at that point it was Morsi and Sisi came in. The military has said they will not intervene in electoral dispute. So it sounds like Trump is going to take over, like, I, I, like, like he's going to win and then take over in terms of the Insurrection Act and go to these cities and there will be federal control of these areas. I don't know for sure. I'm not a prophet. Andy No posted this video. And this is what this is what this is what I'm saying. I am not sad that a effing fascist died tonight, says a woman at the Antifa gathering in downtown Portland. Do you think these people have been negotiating in good faith? They're not. When AOC says go out in the street and then you say, hey, wait, but people are dying. She goes, well, obviously we don't want that. And then the people she incited say, we're not sad. We're happy for it. And all of our supporters are cheering for it. And Project Veritas released footage showing Bernie Sanders campaign staffer saying, oh, the real fun will begin soon. I'm paraphrasing, being hyperbolic. His supporter said, we don't want people to know about the real crazy stuff, but revolution, nothing less. When Kamala Harris says they should not let up, that's a quote. They should not let up. What is she talking about? Do you think she's talking about peaceful handholding in the street? No, they're not negotiating in good faith. So what do we do? Protect your homes. Counter protesters intercepted pro-Trump motorcade blocking their vehicles from advancing. They were in streets, in the highways, in Portland, blocking traffic. Here we have Shelby Talcott. Talcott. Our evening was cut short and we are now at a very tense DC situation. My phone gets wonky. I was hit with something midway. They were marching into neighborhoods in DC. Ian Miles Chong, Seattle Antifa mob makes its way down residential streets to shine lights into homes. They're coming to your neighborhoods. They did it in Chicago back in early June. They've been doing it nonstop for the past several weeks. I'm sorry, but it is only a matter of time before they start going to houses. You saw the video of them going to the woman at the the diner, right? And raising their fist and demanding that she uh, uh, raise their fist. They're doing it more. Protesters are arguing with diners and MPD cops have showed up. They went to a woman and they raised their fist and screamed and demanded she raised theirs. I told you about how businesses in Berkeley put up Black Lives Matter signs because they don't want to get their windows smashed up. Eventually, it will be your home and they will demand you fly their flag and the police will do nothing to stop it. And they will say it's not political, just like in Nazi Germany. And that's what they've been saying when they paint Black Lives Matter in the streets. They say it's about peace, love. It's not about politics. You know, the origin of the swastika, it was some ancient symbol. They're going to say the exact same thing and they're doing it. Now, obviously, I don't think they're the same as Nazis. I think they're authoritarians who have a zealous ideology based in identitarianism. And there are similarities. They will come to your house and they will look for your sign and they will start shooting at it. That's what they did to Cassandra Fairbanks. They showed up to her home with fireworks and fired bullets at it. Then their allies and media claimed it never happened. It did. There's evidence. The neighbor said so, the police said so, but it doesn't matter because the media has been covering for them, allowing them to expand and gain power. I can only assume it's because many in media are actually on their side and that many Democrats think they can wield the one ring. 
They can't. The rings will eventually turn them into wraiths. The, the, they are slowly being consumed by the extremists. But in their desperation to stop Donald Trump, they turn to people they didn't quite understand. Some people who just want to watch the world burn. And some people who are like mad dogs chasing after a, tr- a car and they wouldn't know what to do once they actually caught it. You get those references? Yeah, movie references. The point is, the left has been lying about what they're doing. They haven't been negotiating and, and speaking in good faith. They've been lying the whole time. They've been accusing the right of doing what it is they do. And they're doing it to manipulate the emotions of traditional liberals into supporting them. But I believe they may be going too far. And now the polls are swinging in Trump's favor. So I'll tell you this. While all of this may be scary, nightmarish, and it may seem like things are worse than they've ever been, the night is always darkest before the dawn. And because of the actions they have taken, and this, potentially the shot heard around the world in Portland, Donald Trump may landslide. And when he does, the far left insurgency will be crushed. We will have law and order on our streets. The economy will rebound and we will be stronger than ever. I believe that's where we're headed. Now, it's possible that we will still see insurgency. But I think in the end, Trump will likely win out. But we'll see. We have to make sure that in whatever happens, we do not allow you know, uh, authoritarianism to rise, be it on anyone's side. And we've already started seeing emergency laws enacted. Free speech must be protected. The right to peaceably assemble, assemble must be protected. The right to bear arms must be protected. Each and every one of our constitutional rights must be protected. And that includes the state as they seek to crush the extremists on the far left and shut them down. We must make sure they do not become the monster they have set out to destroy. Be careful when fighting monsters, lest ye become one. For when you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes back. The next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I think today is going to be fairly dominated by talk of what happened in Portland last night, because it's one of the most dramatic escalations we've seen yet. But as of right now, 4chan believes, users, they believe that they have identified the shooter, and they've corroborated it with information about this man, notably a large Black Lives Matter tattoo on his neck. We have the story from Cassandra Fairbanks. 4chan users appear to have identified Portland rioter who shot and killed Trump supporter. But I also want to go over some of what the people of Portland are saying online, because as I stated in the earlier segment, it feels like we're beyond, we, we, we are past the point of even trying to convince other people. The lines have been drawn and you need only pray that your side has the ability to win. And I don't mean win in any hot conflict. I just mean in general, political, voting, whatever. I've been talking to my friends about a lot of what's been going on. And there are many people who literally don't care if Kyle Rittenhouse was attacked in the first place. The argument is he shouldn't have shot us. What about what happened in Portland? Well, that was clearly self-defense, some are saying. I kid you not. And I thought about this because when I look at what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse, he was running away. They throw stuff at him. Someone fires. He turns and defends himself. They chase him down the street. He falls down. Other people are saying that he went looking for a fight. And I think that's completely wrong. He was there. He was asked to defend it. According to his defense, uh, his defense team, he was working in Kenosha. Take a look at what happened last night. It's a short, grainy video. But you will see that both men actually fired. Now, now hold on, hold on. Hear me out. Somebody fired what appears to be Mace. And so the assumption now from many on the left is that this guy pulled something out of a holster and was raising it up 
when the far leftist shot him twice and killed him. They literally argue self-defense. You can see what appears to be a puff of mace in the air. If you think about it, then their argument is essentially he actually drew his weapon first, but the other guy was faster and had live ammo. He brought mace to a gunfight. I believe that's wrong. I believe it's completely wrong. I've looked at the video and it's not a situation like Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse ran away. He tried to flee. This guy was walking down the street when someone yelled and approached him. And even if he did pull out mace, they both fired at the exact same time. That's what it appears like. So in that case, there's a guy who was going to mace somebody, which is, in my opinion, reasonable defense considering the circumstance. So I'll go over this with some of the posts. But the general idea is if you see someone threat, like if you're if you're in a group and there's another group that's threatening you or has been threatening you throughout the day. So you pull out pepper spray. That would probably be considered reasonable force. It's pepper spray. It's not it's going to it's going to be a few minutes of, of, of uncomfortable, you know, burning in your eyes and you're fine. If somebody if you've been threatening someone all day and you approach them and then you draw a pistol and shoot them twice, that is not, in my opinion, reasonable force. Now, these arguments will be made moving forward, but I think it's important to bring up because some people are going to argue this and it's important that it's that it's said. But let me just make it clear one more time. Rittenhouse ran first. Now, that's clear cut self-defense. I mean, he was running away. He wasn't going there to hurt anybody. Well, here's the story first about the 4chan users. We have this image of a man who appeared. And so, so listen, the first thing I want to say is I normally do not like to use stories like this. I, I, I you know, I, after I did the segment earlier this morning, I was a little worried because we don't know enough and we have to be very, very careful about jumping the gun and fanning the flames if we don't know exactly what's happening. This is just people compiling photos and videos from the scene, from various other bits of media, and they're making assumption about who this guy is. I don't know if they're right. I don't know if Fortune is correct, but many high profile verified Twitter users are sharing this. So let this be my opportunity to try and diffuse what they're sharing by saying this is not confirmed. This is so far a bunch of videos showing it is very, very likely to be this man. They, it, it really does look like that they identified this guy. But we need to make sure law enforcement handles this, okay? We need to make sure that the proper identification comes from law enforcement because we have seen what happens before when the internet gets you know riled up and decides they know who did what. It can lead to all sorts of bad things. That being said, I am going to talk about this specifically because I want to make sure people kind of pull back on Twitter. People are just sharing his videos, saying straight up it's him. And that's and that's fun, I guess. OK, there are verified profiles saying confirmed. I'm going to say no. And everyone needs to keep calm. But here's the story from Gateway Pundit. They say the anonymous message board 4chan may have once again beat the media to identifying a violent rioter. On Saturday night, a Portland Black Lives Matter militant shot and killed a member of the pro-Trump group Patriot Prayer. I will also add, we don't know. We uh, Actually, you know what? Listen, we don't have confirmation from law enforcement yet. I believe it's safe to assume this shooting was due to the clashes. Someone brought this up to me earlier. I shouldn't say far left extremists did it because we don't have confirmed details. I think it's fair to assume. That's actually a good point, though. And I'm, I'm telling you all this for your benefit. I know a lot of people are going to say, no, Tim, Tim, we know exactly who did it. We know what's going on. I know I get it. But listen, what if there's a 1% chance it turns out to be something else? You got to make sure you've got the confirmed law enforcement statement. 
And the reason for that is it, 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 it will strengthen your defense, okay? You'll say, we waited, we didn't jump the gun, we had this information, but we were trying to remain calm about it. Look at what the left is doing with Kyle Rittenhouse. They're making up all these crazy lies about it. The other thing I want to point out, absolutely, I've said this over and over again. This is exactly why. It's one of the reasons why Trump supporters on the right should not be going out and engaging with Antifa. Two big reasons. One, they are bringing out guns and they will kill you. The media will not have your back and they will blame the victims. Two, if Trump supporters go out, they are thirsty for any footage showing anyone on the right being violent and the media will blast that on the front page of every paper. So here's, here's, so there's a video here. They say, within minutes of the shooting, 4chan users got to work. And within hours, they had a name. They say the fa- uh, this is from Chris Tomlinson. The face of the Portland murder has already been found. He has a large BLM tattoo on his neck. And we can actually see this. He does. They go on to say, the message board quickly claimed the shooter is Michael Reinol, 48 of Portland. This is extremely important. I am only covering this because I am concerned that we need law enforcement to engage this individual and question him and not some kind of dangerous vigilante justice. People need to call, be, remain calm. Let law enforcement handle this. I know typically, you know, moderates and the right do just that. I want to make sure it's made absolutely clear. This name's been popping up all over Twitter, part of a bunch of trending tweets. And it's the only reason I'm bringing it up right now, because I feel like it has to be said. What, what should happen from here with this name emerging, with this video from Bloomberg, which appears to show the same man, is local law enforcement needs to be contacted or federal law enforcement, and they need to question him. That's it. The bigger question about self-defense, I think the point needs to be made, is that dude fled the scene. Did he turn himself in like Rittenhouse did? I don't know. Rittenhouse tried turning himself in according to his defense, and when they said, keep moving, he went to Antioch and turned himself into his local police department. That's what they're officially reporting. We haven't heard anything about this man so far. It may not be him. There's actually reports earlier, Cassandra mentioned this, that there's another guy who fits this description. The murder suspect has been identified as snowboard instructor Michael Raynal from Oregon. I would say he is believed to be by people who are comparing photographs. Please, please, we got to keep this calm, right? Take a look at this. They say, uh, in a video, he describes when he got in the middle of an altercation between a young man and a group of minors of color and eventually got shot in the arm. Now, I, I do think it's fair to say this is a, this is a, a good suspect, okay? Fits the description, has a tattoo on his neck in Portland during the riots, but seriously. So there's an interview here with Bloomberg. They say, rioters in the city cheered and celebrated the murder by one of their peers. For several hours, rumors were circulating online that a rioter had been killed by a supporter of President Trump. But there was a big celebration when they found out it was actually the other way around. Quote, actually, I'm not going to read this quote. They said, everybody, I just got word. The person who died was a patriot prayer person. The Black Lives Matter leader tells the excited crowd he was an effing Nazi. Our community held its own and took out the trash. I'm not going to shed any tears. That's, that's, that's what they said. And they, they post videos of it. Following the shooting, rioters also surrounded and assaulted patriot prayer founder Joey Gibson. When Gibson retreated into a gas station, riders broke the windows and threatened the owner. The owner tried calling 911. I'm sorry, man. I think we're well past this point. It's just, um, I don't, I, I, I that, that's what, look, I'm, I know I just said it like four times, but I'm saying it again, the reason why I'm pulling this up is because I'm worried we're past that point. I'm hoping that we're still at a time where people are going to sit down and say, I think we found him. 
and they're going to call local authorities in Portland and say, we believe we know who it is and they will deal with it. The far left has been going out and starting fights and getting violent. We do not want vigilante justice. They tried claiming that Kyle Rittenhouse is a vigilante, and that is not true. He was not going out and enforcing the law outside of the authority. That's what vigilantism, I mean, for the most part is. He was just saying, stay away from this building we were asked to defend. It is not vigilantism if you are defending property at the request of its owner. If you live in a house and you have a gun and you're like, I don't want people burning my house down, you are not a vigilante. You are just defending your property. Now, if you go out looking for people with no request and saying, I'm going to stop the violence. Yes, that's not what Kyle Rittenhouse did. And that is not what we want to happen. Police need to deal with this. Users on the message board were also first to identify Marquise Love, the man who attempted to kill a driver in uh, in the city earlier this month. They subsequently identified another person involved in the attack. Now, this is why I think they're probably right. They found Keith Love. Dude turned himself in. He did it. He even admitted it on Snapchat. So I think 4chan knows what they're doing. And this guy's got a big Black Lives Matter tattoo on his neck. I think they found him. Let us hope now that Donald Trump can send in the feds and have a clean law enforcement action that is within the the realm of law and order and not this extrajudicial insanity we see from the left. Now, take a look at this. Mark R. Levin said, it appears a Trump supporter was shot and killed in Portland. And someone responded, clear cut case of self-defense. Next. Yes, people are absolutely claiming it was self-defense. And I've got more posts over from Reddit. We have this tweet here from Matt Walsh. What happened in Portland was simply murder. There is no self-defense argument. He walked up and shot the guy. If you defend that, you officially support the execution of your political opponents. You join the ranks of the most evil people in history. Is that who you want to be? Let me let me let me, let me say something just just to make sure it's I'm, I'm going to steel man this argument. What that means is I'm going to present to you the, the, the strongest possible argument from the other side so that you know exactly what happened and what they're saying. My personal belief is that this was unjustifiable. I do not believe it was first degree murder. I believe you could argue it was second degree. He had the intent to kill. He went to this event. He was armed. He knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, there's potentially a first degree murder charge in that he may not have targeted this man who died, but he was certainly going there with the intent to cause harm. You could argue that. I don't know if we could strongly argue that so second degree may work better. There's a potential for a self-defense argument. There is. Think about it this way. Two people are walking up to each other of opposing factions, and they both reach their holster and they both draw. What the left is arguing is that this man saw a Trump supporter draw something from his holster, aim it at him, and he thought it was a gun. I think you, you might, I think they'll argue it. I really do think they'll argue it. Now, the, the issue I take with it is he could have fled and he didn't have to engage the man in the first place. And it wasn't the Trump supporter who engaged in the conflict. The Trump supporter was walking down the street and this guy turned to face him, showing the confrontation came from the other side. Ultimately, there is a, a, a I, I think ultimately there will be no self-defense charge I, 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 or, or defense. I don't see it because this wasn't like I just said, listen, if it really does come down to two people approach, let's put it this way, assuming, assuming I, this is not necessarily the case, but let's just say for the sake of argument, two people approach each other. They both draw weapons. One shoots mace, one shoots bullets. There's no self-defense, just none whatsoever, no matter what. It, it wasn't a guy walking down the street being threatened and, ha- and hassled and, and, you know, whatever. 
It was it was him turning. Even if you believe him drawing the mace was grounds for some kind of you know defensive maneuver, it's not self-defense. Not like Rittenhouse, who was running away. In D.C., we have this tweet from Brendan Leslie. A Black Lives Matter leader is encouraging this crowd of protesters to fight the D.C. cops on the front lines, saying he's ready to put them in their graves. This may this may lead to another violent night in D.C. Yep. D.C. was popping off yesterday. I just, you know, what this says to me is that escalation is inevitable. This is why I'm showing you this. The left right now is defending the actions that man took last night in Portland. Self-defense. He's allowed to do it. People are posting on my Facebook page. You take one of ours. We take one of yours. That's what they're saying. They're arguing that it's not about the circumstantial self-defense, but contextual self-defense. What they mean is if they know that people on the right will shoot them, then they will shoot first next time. There are many of the arguments around self-defense is that I'm not going to wait to see because you've already killed our people. Think about what that means. 30 people died in the riots alone before we saw this. A cop was shot in the head by the far left and no one on the right and no cop said, you take one of ours, we take two of yours, we take or whatever. No one on the right and no one left decided to go out and actually start hunting people down. The left is clearly the aggressor on this one. They don't care. The time for discussion to convince people is over. I see people on Facebook saying straight up, it's happening and expect more. I've had people send me death threats similar to what I'm hearing now, but they do it in a veiled way. They don't say things like, I will do X to you. They say things like, you know, expect something like this to happen. They send threats. That's just, I'll put it the easiest, it's the easiest way I can put it. I went over to Reddit and I want to show you something. On Reddit, r slash news one of the top stories, one person shot and killed near downtown, downtown Portland. And the top comment reads, as someone from Portland, I have to tell you that this event has shook the city to its core. Even r slash Portland went out of their way to set the subreddit to private. A lot of people are arguing they know what's happening. No one really does. But here's r slash Portland. Mega thread events of the evening of August 29th. They say, here, here. So these are, these are new comments. These are not top comments. This person said, the level of cognitive dissonance in this thread is just absurd. We're talking about the unprovoked, targeted murder of a Trump supporter, and you guys are doing everything you possibly can to spin it around and blame the victim or Republicans in general. Don't you guys feel silly about this? Someone said, footage does not support your claim. Another said, people are talking about, unfortunately, violence that happened. The type of violence that hasn't in scores or days until chuds came out in force. Facts aren't in. We might never have the full story. Unprovoked, targeted. Were you there? Do you have a better, you have better footage that show it is unprovoked and targeted? Because it looks provoked to me. At the very least, he's a willing participant. Perhaps. I'll tell you what. Perhaps it was mutual combat, right? We've seen it. Two guys, uh, two guys walked up. He did fire pepper spray. So in the end, what do we have? A guy with pepper spray was shot and killed by a dude with a gun. So yeah, not self-defense. And I would argue you can't say it's provocation if they both raise their weapons at the exact same time. One person said, I'm not allowed to create, uh, I'm not gonna read that. The last thing we needed, Fox News now has their martyr. I'm sure every one of this guy's life achievements will be plastered on Fox News to show how great, great he was and whip their base into a fervor over the senseless violence. Rip dude. 
I'm sorry this happened to you, and I hope your family will find peace after this instead of hatred and anger. I respect that. But there's something in this comment that I wanted to highlight, something I find particularly interesting. Whenever there's an event like this, where some guy dies, the complaint is not about the destruction. It's about how it helps Donald Trump. What are we hearing now from the left, from Don Lemon? It's showing up in the polls. Fox News is going to show his achievements. Shouldn't they? An innocent, uh, well, I don't necessarily want to say innocent, but a guy was killed in this conflict. Shouldn't they say here's who he was and here's what his life meant? Shouldn't they say he mattered too? It's funny to me how the left's go to for the most part is the negative effects they will face because of the violence instead of the people who died. Remarkable. You know, I've been sitting here saying I want the violence to stop. That's that's, you know, my 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 entire point was we don't want the right to go out. We don't want the left to go out. We don't want anybody shooting anybody else. But that's what's happening. And when death happens, my complaint is somebody died. And when they post someone's information, my, my, my warning is don't be like the left. What the left does is they say when somebody dies right now, they're cheering for this man's death. I'm not exaggerating. On the ground in, in, in Portland, they were cheering, clapping and cheering. And the people online are like, great, now Trump is going to get raised, in the, you know, is going to go up in the polls. Is that your concern? When they burn down buildings, they say, don't you care about us? I care about everybody. But you're burning buildings down and, and hurting people. They say nothing about the people who died in the riots. Where's this person's comment saying, oh, the last thing we needed, a corpse was found in a burned down building in Minneapolis. No, it's now Trump is going to look good. Here's what I don't understand. They complain that Fox News will plaster this guy's image everywhere and it'll make Trump look good. And it does. So shouldn't Trump be shouldn't shouldn't he look good if he was right? If Trump came out and said this is wrong, it needs to stop. Shouldn't he look good? I'll tell you this. The, only, the, only, the last thing I'll say on this point, I believe we need de-escalation. Trump supporters and conservatives should not be going out and engaging in this. You know why? They are looking for anything to make Trump supporters look bad. And the more the far left acts a fool, the more it proves Trump right. And now he's winning in the polls. It's a crazy day. The whole the entire news space is being dominated by this. So here's what I'm going to do. Donald Trump is now winning. And it's and it's, it's insane. This new these new polls came out showing Trump leading across the board nationally. We'll talk about that. The next segment will be coming up at youtube.com slash Timcast at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all there. I'd like to ask Joe Biden a question. Why do I have to wake up to videos of people dying? Why did he support the ongoing protests which led to extreme violence? And why won't he confront them now? Because here's the news. Joe Biden is not going to visit Kenosha on Monday. The Democrat is expected to travel elsewhere. Trump is planning to be in Wisconsin, in the Wisconsin city on Tuesday. Wow. I'd like to ask him, but he's a coward. That's right. Joe Biden is a coward. Donald Trump is going to Kenosha. He's going to confront the ongoing crisis. He's called for National Guard to be deployed. He's called for law and order. Joe Biden has praised and supported the extremists. Take a look at this poll. 
In an addendum to my main channel video over at youtube.com slash Timcast, I want to talk about why we are seeing this polling shift for Trump. Poll Watch says, breaking, Democracy Institute shows Trump up nationally and in battleground states with a three-point lead in the popular vote. This Twitter account from someone named Babino says, I was a reluctant Florida Trump voter in 2016. Now I'll crawl over broken glass to vote for him. A vote for Trump is a vote for America. I said two years ago, I would never vote for Trump. And I laughed. Earlier this year, I was actively supporting Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. And within the past couple of weeks, I've said, I'll probably vote for him. If it happened now, I'd probably vote for him. And finally, I'm voting for the guy. And yeah, at this point, I would crawl over broken glass too, to make sure that vote got through. Because Donald Trump, a vote for him is a vote for America. You know what that means? It means that even though I might not like the guy personally or professionally, I think he's a funny guy, you know, as an entertainer, even though I might disagree with some of his policies, I look at the left today, the cowardice of Joe Biden, and I see Donald Trump as a vote for America. And that doesn't mean I'm voting for Uncle Sam or voting for the government. It means I'm voting for just to keep the country. This person beneath him said, this is a great summary of what slowly happened to me over the last three and a half years. After the last three and a half months, I'll walk through a hailstorm of bullets to cast my vote. Me too for Biden. Call me crazy, but I hate having a criminal wannabe dictator in the White House, let alone the chaos and unrest he's unleashed on this country. He's just not up for the job. Two posts where they say Trump or nothing. One post saying Biden or nothing, but I don't buy it. Trump to travel to Kenosha, Wisconsin on Tuesday. And it seems like a boring story, but there's a lot here. In Kenosha, a young man was attacked. He ran and he defended himself. Now he is being charged. I, I, I missed this one. He is being charged for possessing a weapon under the age of 18. And he may have been illegally possessing it. The, uh, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I'll have to see how this one plays out. Some have pointed out that there is an exemption in the law for people under the age of 18, 16 and 17, uh, people who are age 16 and 17, who are carrying just a rifle or a shotgun. It doesn't say that specifically. It just says this law shall not apply except for these circumstances. But it may be that he gets convicted. There's a new video that recently came out. I don't know where it came from, but it, it was posted by a friend of mine who's not particularly pro-Trump, who said, why isn't anyone talking about this? One of the individuals who's with Kyle Rittenhouse says, the police told us they were going to push them this, you know, our way because we could deal with them and then they would leave. Then you can clearly see in photos this guy was with him on the ground. Why did the police push the rioters towards Kyle? It sounds like the cops set him up in the wake of all of this. And, and, and I'll elaborate on that when I have more details. But in the wake of all of this, Donald Trump has said, get me a plane. I'm going to Kenosha. Wow. You know, I've been to a lot of really dangerous places. A lot of people have said I'm really brave to go on the front line of these riots and this unrest. So I haven't done it in the past, you know, couple of years, mostly because people recognized me and started physically attacking me. I had been physically attacked for quite some, t- uh, quite, you know, ever since I started. But there's a difference between people being like, hey, it's Tim Pool, go get him. And hey, camera, get out of my face. I've had people chase me around just trying to attack me and they weren't even politically affiliated. They just thought it was funny. So I haven't been able to do it. But when I would go on the ground, I would know that there was real danger. Donald Trump has some of the best security in the world, if not the best security in the world. So I can only imagine he feels safe and secure, but he's going to go confront this straight up. No questions asked. He is going to Kenosha. 
where some of the most extreme instances of violence have occurred. Trump said, drop me in the center ring. Joe Biden said, help, help. I'm going to go hide in the basement because I'm scared. Joe Biden, it's pathetic. This man cannot be president. I mean, even before all of this, you had, you know, the likes of Joe Rogan saying he can't be president. He's not all there. And we all know it. Now you want to put this coward in office? Look, man, you got liberals and like people who are actually, you know, some some people who are left being like, it can't be Biden, man. Nah, like anybody who actually cares about this country and likes it and wants it to continue, even if you are for reform, even if you are for dramatic reform, you're like, Joe Biden is a vote for the end. And the extremists like it. They do. You know, I saw somebody tweet earlier. I think it was Donald Trump Jr. saying Biden supporters and Biden voters. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to tweet something where I'm like, Donald Trump Jr., you're wrong. These people are not Biden supporters. And then I thought to myself, actually, they are <laughs> not in the way you'd actually think. Like the far left doesn't support Biden in the sense that they're like, yay, Biden waving flags. They support him in the sense where they're like, vote for him because he's easier to overthrow. I've actually seen those comments be posted. The far left to say straight up, it's easier to overthrow a sleepy old man than it is a fascist. They're right. Joe Biden is, he just can't even form sentences. Like, obviously, we know that he can form sentences mostly, but he gaffs even his own commercials. And he won't even go to Kenosha. Why? He's scared. And, I, and you know, look, man, I'm going I'm to try and be a, a little bit empathetic and compassionate here. I understand why he's scared, man. Joe Biden is nearly 80. Donald Trump's not too far behind, but Donald Trump's certainly a bit more spry. Joe Biden's scared, man. I, I, I understand that fear. I used to go on the ground and for obvious reasons, I can't go on the ground anymore. And it's because of a high profile. Joe Biden feels that too. He probably knows like, come on, man, I can't go down there. People are going to be attacking me and throwing things at me and screaming at me, you know? And Donald Trump, he knows that too. Trump is just less likely to care. I think Trump is very arrogant. So he knows, you know, look, both, both individuals have security. Both, you know, have secret service. I'm sure they'll be fine. But Biden's scared and Trump's willing to confront it. That's why I don't think Biden is right for, for, for this country. CNN says Trump will travel to Kenosha on Tuesday to meet with law enforcement and to survey some of the damage from the recent protests. When asked if the president would meet with the family of Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man who was shot by police, Judd Deere, spokesman for the White House, said that the schedule hasn't been fully ironed out yet. Blake's family led a march of hundreds of people on Saturday in Kenosha, demanding an end to police violence and systemic racism. Blake was shot. We understand this. Unrest in Wisconsin following the police shooting of Blake in Kenosha has quickly turned into a political flashpoint. When asked earlier Saturday if he will visit Kenosha, Trump said probably so before praising the federal presence in Wisconsin. He said, we've had tremendous success, as you know. We were finally able to get the go-ahead from the local authorities to send in the National Guard. Within a few minutes of the Guard, everybody cleared out and it became safe. Trump and the GOP used this week's Republican National Convention to shine a spotlight on violence and property damage. That has resulted from some of the protests over racial injustice and police brutality this summer, as fires had raged in Kenosha on consecutive nights. This story from just the other day, and this story from today. Joe Biden is not expected to visit Kenosha on Monday, despite mounting pressure following Donald Trump's announcement over the weekend that he planned to go there. Two sources with knowledge of the former vice president's travel discussions say that while Biden is expected to travel, he will steer clear of the pivotal Midwestern battleground state on Monday. The thinking 
according to these people, is that Trump's trip to Kenosha could backfire on him, given Biden's continued messaging that the unrest in the city is an outgrowth of the president's rhetoric that inflames racial tensions. Is that it? Are you serious? The argument is that Joe Biden finds it politically expedient to not be a leader. He won't go. Oh, no, no, no. I wanted to backfire on Trump, so I won't go. Doesn't duty. Isn't duty more important than politicking? Yeah, maybe Trump knows it might backfire on him. If they think it does, then wouldn't Trump's political uh, strategists say the same thing? I can't believe Joe, Joe Biden's camp said that, that it might backfire on Trump. Therefore, Joe Biden's not going to go. The politics of the national circumstances to Biden are more important than dealing with the unrest, talking with law enforcement and figuring out what's going on and confronting it head on. I want you to think about that for a second. What that means under a Joe Biden presidency. Well, Donald Trump is not my first choice for president. I take a look at Joe Biden and think about this. Iran, nuclear deal, for instance. Tensions are escalating. Peace deals are breaking down. And Joe Biden says, I'm not going to have a meeting with these people because, you know, it might hurt me politically. So, you know what? I'm going to go, I don't know, somewhere else. And then he goes to Europe or something. Do we want a leader who will not confront an issue because he's concerned about whether or not he'll get reelected from it? No. And I'll tell you this. Trump's not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he, you know, there's certain things that Trump would or wouldn't do if, it, if he thought it would hurt him politically. I think Trump will play that game too. But at least in this instance, it's not the case. And this to me is where, where it matters, confronting the riots head on and dealing with them. Trump is dropping into the epicenter. Can't say the same for Biden. He's worried about politics. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. I briefly mentioned this story in my main segment over at youtube.com slash Timcast, but I want to do a longer segment about it. The suspension of journalist Cassandra Fairbanks from Twitter for supporting Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse, as you know, is the young man who was defending himself in Kenosha and ended up shooting three people, killing two. It is a tragic event that I think should not have happened for a lot of reasons. And I think it's fair to say Kyle should not have been there. He shouldn't have had to, had to have been there. The police should have been there. The riders should not have been there. And I wish none of it happened. However, Kyle has been charged, but not convicted. And he, like everyone else, is innocent until proven guilty. I've routinely said this about the rioters and the far left, the people I don't like. They're still innocent until proven guilty. But Facebook and Twitter are now banning support for somebody. And that's it. Before he's even been proven guilty of anything. Cassandra Fairbanks said he did nothing wrong. She got suspended. Let's read the story from Breitbart. They say, Gateway Pundit reporter Cassandra Fairbanks was recently suspended from Twitter for tweeting her support of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was recently arrested over shooting of three rioters in Kenosha. In response, lawyers for Rittenhouse warned Twitter they intend to hold the platform fully liable. This is where things start getting spicy. They say, Gateway Pundit reporter Uh, Cassandra Fairbanks' Twitter account was suspended earlier today for tweeting Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. Twitter claims that the statement is glorifying violence. A screenshot of the page can be seen below. She received a 12-hour suspension, and they say, we've determined that you violated Twitter rules, so we've temporarily limited some of your account features. While in the state, you can still browse Twitter, but you're limited, blah, blah, blah. A second email informed Fairbanks that she was suspended for tweeting her support of Kyle Rittenhouse a teenager from Antioch, Illinois, who was arrested in Kenosha following a shooting of three rioters. They say protesters. Come on, Breitbart. That's all she tweeted. Cassandra tweeted on the 27th, and they apparently just suspended her. 
Rittenhouse has been accused of shooting three protesters, two of whom died from their wounds. Although footage from the shooting has led many to argue that Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. Fairbanks commented on the temporary suspension, telling Breitbart News, the fact that you can no longer defend someone on social media who has not been convicted of any crime should shock and terrify everyone. They, they want to control all narratives and we are letting them get, get away with it. And she goes on to say Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. John Pierce, attorney for Kyle Rittenhouse, condemned Twitter for suppressing a journalist's account, calling the act a brazen act of censorship and warning that he and fellow attorney Linwood intend to hold Twitter fully liable for its actions. Quote, a journalist just got banned from Twitter for simply posting Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. Twitter and other big tech companies are now engaged in brazen and outright censorship of political speech. They can no longer pretend to be neutral internet computer service providers protected from defamation claims by Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. They have now stepped in the arena and are publishers. Myself and Lyd Wood intend to hold Twitter fully liable to Nicholas Sandman, Kyle Rittenhouse, and every other person whose life it has tried to destroy simply because it disagrees with their political viewpoints. On the same day, that Twitter suspended Fairbanks. The platform was flooded with users glorifying the murder of a right-wing activist in Portland yesterday. Section 230 basically says that so long as you're acting in good faith, you cannot be sued for libel, like Twitter, basically, internet computer uh, services. So if I comment on Twitter, you can't sue Twitter, you got to sue me. However, Twitter allows people to glorify violence straight up. Why ban Cassandra Fairbanks? Because they are not an internet service provider. They are a publisher of specific political opinion. Therefore, they have no protections and they can be sued. In this tweet, Jordan Black said that this is what patriotism looks like. I seem to remember an entire generation of Americans who killed fascists and were called heroes. This is in reference to Elijah Schaefer pointing out how Black Lives Matter said that they're, they're not sad that an effing fascist died tonight. They cheered for it. This person said a right-wing fascist was killed in Portland. That's crazy. Showing someone dancing happy. This person said a fascist got killed in Portland, I see. And it shows someone sitting in a chair not caring. Republican fascist killed in Portland. In a comment to Breitbart News, a Twitter spokes- spokesman said, it is against the Twitter rules to condone or glorify acts or perpetrators of violence. Our teams are proactively reviewing and taking action on tweets that glorify violence. These tweets will need to be removed by the account owners before they can continue to use Twitter. Accounts dedicated to or repeatedly sharing this type of content will be suspended. Breitbart News report, uh, News report on the Wisconsin shooting incident can be found here. Breitbart News will update readers with more information. It's not just that they allow the left to glorify violence. Twitter actively allows the far left to organize. In one tweet, Andino says, more evidence of Antifa actually organizing as an organization and doing it on Twitter. Per their own words, they never openly identify as a member to outsiders. He then shows several images. Antifa, uh, an Antifa tweet says, it was brought to our attention that someone is attempting to imposter us. We would like to make it clear that we will not openly admit to strangers in any capacity that we are organizing as Pacific Northwest resistance. They say, if you have any information about a green haired individual claiming to represent us, please reach out about further descriptions and identify this person. We would like to get to the bottom of this. There should be zero instances of Pacific Northwest resistance members identifying themselves to someone not involved or affiliated with us. Stay safe uh, out there. And you can see Antifa, mutual aid, etc. This is just one example of them using Twitter to organize and to encourage people to communicate and engage with them. 
Andy Noe also says, Portland Antifa accounts organize on Twitter. This person from Occupy PD, this is at Occupy PDX saying, tonight we need blockade materials. Even if you could only drop things off, please do. Twitter is facilitating terrorism. At what point do we shut it down? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what Trump can do. Here's one. Antifa in Colorado are organizing three days of actions, often code for rioting at the state capitol. I don't care if they call it a riot. I don't care what they call it. It is a riot. They can call it whatever they want. They can say a picnic. We're organizing a bake sale. Bring your cupcakes. Bring your milkshakes. You get the point. If Antifa is organizing and they engage in riots, then at a certain point, they should stop being given the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not talking about an issue of free speech. I'm talking about the private platform, right? This is what they say. When Cassandra gets banned, they say, well, it was against the rules and she should have known better. This is against the rules too. They're not doing anything about it. They're allowing them to organize. Guess what? The, 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 uh, some militia in Kenosha got shut down on Facebook and all these lefties were screaming, why won't Facebook ban them? Yeah, why won't Facebook ban them, huh? Why won't Twitter ban them? I'm all about free speech. But organizing events is very different. On Facebook, the Kenosha group was apparently just saying bombastic things that some people said they they likened to incitement. This is direct organizing. They could not engage in this behavior without Twitter. And Twitter allows it. Because I think, for one, Jack Dorsey is not really the CEO of Twitter. And I think he's just a figurehead. But I believe that still he and many others support this. They want it to happen. They want everything to be burnt to the ground. They do because they're destroyers. They're people who revel in destruction, pain and suffering. Now, of course, they think they're the good guys. I don't know what their end game is other than just to destroy everything. And apparently that's good to them. There's a bunch of tweets of this man. Rose City Antifa organizing violence. Here's one Antifa organizing a riot. Just go to Andy Noe's page and you can see him doing it over and over and over again. But heaven forbid, a journalist defend someone who, who has not been convicted of any crime. What do, you do, what, what, what do you do about it? I don't know. This is why I don't like Republicans either, because they don't seem to care about this. They don't do anything. Trump isn't a Republican. And I've said it many, many times, and many people have said it. But they, the, the time for action was a long time ago. You, you have Democrats fanning the flames, endorsing this. Joe Biden unwilling to actually go and confront the riots and social media suppressing information, suppressing opinion that goes against their orthodoxy, their narrative. So what are we supposed to do if the commons have been taken over and they are being destroyed? A lot of people believe that a vote for Donald Trump could end all this. Maybe. I, I certainly am uh, hoping at this point Trump wins to put an end to this because it's been getting worse and worse, faster and faster. It is happening very, very quickly. I mean, you read these stories, it's funny. It's like these old dystopian novels. And one, one common thread is how fast it all happens. And it's true. It does happen very, very fast. But I got to tell you, man, even if Trump wins, it won't be enough. You will need every, you, you will need Republicans to win the House and the Senate and the presidency, and then to enact Section 230 reform. However, there's another, um, there's another bit of hope. With the lawyers threatening Twitter that they're going to sue Twitter, Twitter may have overstepped their bounds as it pertains to Section 230, and this may be the end for them. Because they engaged in such overt partisanship, they might have no defense. I don't know how it would work. They, they, here's, here's what I imagine would happen. Someone sues Twitter, then Twitter tries claiming 
We will dismiss it under Section 230 grounds. But the lawyers will argue Section 230 doesn't apply because there is no interpretation of good faith protections when Twitter allows violence to be glorified. They're just removing opinions they don't like. In which case, how are they any different from the Washington, you know, the New York Times? Listen, the New York Times as a, comp- as a company has individuals who vet and, and, and you know, post things. Just because Twitter doesn't pay people doesn't change the fact that they allow people to post things. If they're, if they're selectively removing things, not in good faith and not because it's objectionable, then I don't believe they will have protections and they should be sued for libel. Perhaps we just need a wave of people to file lawsuits against Twitter for libel and defamation when they get smeared. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. As chaos erupts around the country, guns and ammo sales are through the roof. I know personally, because you've heard it from me several times now, I went out and bought a bunch of guns. After saying earlier this year, I would never have a gun in my house. I now have many guns and it's been very, very difficult to find ammunition. But this, this story here may be one of the most wow stories I've ever seen. County voters to decide on Second Amendment sanctuary status. You know what? I wouldn't have said this a year ago, but I almost, I, I, I think I completely agree with it. Listen, we're not talking about saying we won't allow people to arrest you for having a gun. We're talking about basically nullifying every single law pertaining to guns, including background checks, I kid you not. And this is in Oregon. Take a look at this, take a look at this story from Como News. They say, Astoria, Oregon, a measure on the November ballot will ask voters in, in a northwestern Oregon county whether it should be a Second Amendment sanctuary. The historian reports voters in Clatsop County will decide whether to prohibit county resources from being used to enforce any local, state, and federal law or regulation that restricts the right to keep and bear firearms, accessories, or ammunition. The rule would cover any tax, levy, or fee on the purchase or ownership of firearms, tracking requirements, background checks, confiscation orders, or any restriction on the open or concealed carrying of firearms. Wow. It's not the first time we've seen things like this, but I'm not sure the other sanctuary uh, uh, claims went that far. I mean, in Virginia, we saw a lot of declarations about sanctuary counties where they wouldn't confiscate people's guns. But think about it. What they're saying in this county is that any restriction, any you could walk around with like a light machine gun. I, 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 okay, here's a lot of things. Here's something that people don't really understand. You can actually buy a tank with like a full auto 50 cal or something like that. I was reading a story because these leftists like to claim, well, you can't own a tank. Actually, you can. It's really funny when they say things like, when the Second Amendment was written, they didn't actually mean like modern machine, like warfare machines. Like you're not going to buy a Scud missile. My friends, did you know that back then there were things called privateers where individuals owned warships and in Europe they would carry letters of mark allowing them to go around as a privately owned warship blowing up other ships taking their stuff. Yeah. Privateers. That's what it was ba- it was like a lot of us imagine piracy was just, you know, like rogue operatives which existed but a lot of it was sanctioned by their government as long as they attacked the enemy. So yeah, back then, the Second Amendment did allow you to have cannons and warships. 
So what do you, what would happen? I mean, this sounds like a great place to live. I wouldn't want to live in Oregon, mind you, but wow. If they pass this in November, are people going to go out and buy like, I, I don't even, I'm not even going to speculate, but you can buy some real big guns. Like there's got to be some restriction, right? Like, could you have artillery shells, put a howitzer in your backyard and be like, no restrictions. I don't know. It sounds pretty crazy, but check this out. We got this story from Oregon Live. Three reasons firearm sales have jumped 94%. This is from an OSU professor. They say, amid the COVID-19 pandemic and protests for racial justice, the Gun Industries Trade Association <clears throat> estimates that gun sales from March to July were up 94%. Firearms industry consultants estimate July sales alone were 2 million units. These estimates are based on the number of background checks conducted by the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. The FBI report that eight of the uh, eight of the weeks in this period are in the top 10 highest weeks since the agency began collecting data in 1998. Gun sales typically have seasonal cycles, with more guns being sold in winter months and increase uh, and increase in presidential election years and after high profile mass shootings. However, the 2020 pandemic spurred record setting surge in demand. They say our research examines American gun culture and offers insights into the complex relationship between Americans and guns. We believe there are three general reasons why people are purchasing firearms. One, independence and security. A study we presented in 2019 shows that Americans feel buying a gun is a way of asserting and maintaining independence. Independence is threatened during the pandemic when a concern for public health may curtail some individual freedoms, including the freedom to travel, operate some businesses, assemble in large groups, or visit the elderly. Gun ownership can be motivated by the belief that having guns helps to ensure freedom to do and live as one chooses, particularly for individuals concerned with protection and defense. Kind of sounds like they're saying they're worried about the government taking over. Maybe not, but it does. The National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates that 40% of recent gun buyers are doing so for the first time, partly driven by citizens' perceived need to protect themselves in a period of uncertainty and civil unrest, as well as calls to defund the police. This idea is supported by data showing that more than 99% of recent sales are handguns, which are typically used for self-defense, and by research showing that buying a gun for self-defense can be motivated by feelings that the world is generally dangerous. Gun owners also find comfort and security in routines. This means existing gun owners may purchase additional guns in an effort to maintain a sense of normalcy. Two, market signals and forces. Another reason relates to market conditions. Governors chose to include gun retailers as essential businesses, allowing them to remain open. This reinforced the legitimacy of guns and gun retailers in the U.S. Strengthening, by strengthening perceptions of gun purchases as appropriate and necessary. Meanwhile, gun retailers have struggled to keep firearms, ammunition, and accessories in stock. When consumers face scarcity, they may experience a sense of urgency to purchase. This is a really good point that I think is often being missed. While most of us are assuming that the purchase of guns is due primarily to people being scared, it could be that there are a lot of people who are saying, oh man, if I don't get it now, I won't be able to. Not that they're actually scared about the end being nigh, but thinking, I kind of want one. If I don't go now, I won't get one. And then everyone rushes out and then there's a shortage. That could be, you know, that's a fair point to make. Social connection and recreation. They say, finally, guns can provide a tangible basis for social connection, social bonding through consumption. Retailers facilitate this by serving as a social hub and providing expertise on specific products. This, I think, is complete and utter BS. And um, I mean, maybe. But gun people have their private clubs. They do their thing. I don't believe anyone's going out right now like, 
I'm bored. What can I do? I know I've never bought a gun before, but I'll go do it now. I think it's fair to say there is a certain aspect of this that people who already have guns are thinking, I'm going to go see what's up at the gun shop and go hang out and see what they're talking about, talk politics that I get. Okay, so fine. Maybe I'm being a little harsh. But for the most part, I think people are scared. Riots are erupting and guns are being sold out or mostly ammo. It's really hard to find ammo. I, you know, my local shop, they got odd caliber bullets and a lot of bird shot. And I, I had a lot of people say to me, hey, man, bird shot is not that bad. And my response is, yes, bird shot is better than no shot. I get it. But, <laughs> you know, if you had your choice, you'd want, I don't know, buckshot, nine millimeter at least. I'm not a big gun person, never have been, but I'm certainly starting to be. And my reason for buying weapons is because, for the most part, the unrest. I will not be caught with my pants down as rioting erupts across this country. And as we're entering into this election cycle where no one has no one knows what's going to happen. I'm not only buying weapons, I'm getting as far away from these cities as I can. And that's fairly far away so far. Ain't got no Internet. That's the big problem with trying to move to this new expanded facility. No Internet. I've actually got to call a company and see see if they'll lay the lines down because there's no Internet. So maybe I'll be able to do it. But I think there's a lot of reasons that people are motivated to finally get active. But it says something else. People are paying attention. People are absolutely paying attention. And while the left tries to claim that all the violence and everything is Trump's fault, I don't don't buy it. If people are rushing out to buy guns, they have some idea of what's happening. And they're not going to be blaming Trump for what's happening locally. They're going to be asking their local politicians to send the police out. John Doe and Jane Doe in in, in the Bufu suburbs who are like, I'm going to buy my first gun aren't calling up Trump and being like, why are there rioters outside my house? They're calling their councilmen. They're calling their, their, their aldermen. They're calling their mayor. They're calling their governor, their congressman or man or woman. And they're saying, what is happening in our neighborhoods? And why won't you send the police? Federal police aren't patrolling my neighborhoods and they're not patrolling yours either. I mean, most of yours, some of them, they probably are because feds do come out, right? Maybe in, in DC, especially. Because they are federal police. But I'm pretty sure they're not blaming Trump for this. And if they're paying attention, they know who's really at fault for the chaos and who's not getting a handle on it. So I'll throw it back to this story coming out of Oregon. This will be really, really fascinating. I wonder what people will buy if they agree that there is no restriction at all on firearms. Can you define firearm for me? Are people going to have like directed energy weapons? Like what's the restriction, man? (laughs) This is going to be crazy. I think people are going to have fun with it. I think people might start making their own crazy weapons or whatever. A 2A sanctuary. That sounds amazing. Now, I do want to point out Clatsop County. This is in uh, northern uh, northwestern Oregon. I, I, I don't know exactly what this is. Maybe it's more rural, but if it's northwestern, I'd imagine it's still in between Portland and, say, Tacoma or Seattle. So maybe not that rural, but rural enough. Either way, could you imagine what it's going to be like if these people have no restrictions and Antifa tries going through their town to, like, make it up or just end up in there or whatever? People are going to come out with the craziest things you've ever seen. Maybe I'm wrong. Not a gun person, but I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.